body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Here we tell you stories that you may not be familiar with, but this one, Cinderella, is a tale for the ages, about not judging a book by its cover or an overworked, underappreciated young woman by her outer appearance. And we'll get to Cinderella in just a moment. But first, a big thank you to our podcast partners, Envy Pillow, who make this possible. They're a Canadian company built from the bed up by Kathy and Kim, two hardworking RNs who knew there had to be a better way to help prevent face lines while also using the finest planet-friendly materials. Their integrity in all things is what drew me to them. No, actually, it was the comfort of the very first Envy pillow I tried. And then, well, let's just say it was a story where we all lived happily ever after. Learn more about their story in the morning, including their 10% discount offer to you for using the code word DRIFT at envypillow.com and sleep with the best. I'd like you now to start with a deep breath. Take it in nice and slowly, holding... And now, releasing again slowly, letting go of all the day as you do. And now, another cleansing breath in, and hold, and release. Let's get that message to your entire body. Starting at the top of that busy head of yours, let your head rest heavy on your pillow, your chair back, wherever you are. Make sure you feel a complete release now in your neck. No more work there, hmm? And now your shoulders. Are they down? Let them drop as far as you are able. Now feel the relaxation spreading down your arms, your elbows, your forearms. Let your wrists be limp and your fingers idle. Good. Keep your mind on your breath again in and out as we raise your chest and let it fall. Feel that beautiful moment to your belly. Let it fill with air and then deflate down, down. Are your hips and sit bones feeling like dead weight where you are? Let them do just that. Now, finally, to your legs. They are heavy, sinking into the mattress or chair or floor. Your entire leg doing just that, both legs. And your feet. Flex them now once and again. And then let go. And just as we begin our story... Take one more deep breath and think these words as you exhale. 
really take them in. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. Once upon a time, there was a gentleman who chose for his second wife the proudest, meanest, and most stuck-up woman that ever you have seen. She had two daughters of her own, who were, unfortunately, exactly like her in all ways. And yeah, that's not good. But the gentleman also had a young daughter of rare goodness and sweetness of temper, which she took from her mother, who was the best creature in the world, and sadly, was no longer living. The wedding to wife number two was scarcely over when the girl's new mother's bad temper began to show itself. She could not bear the goodness of this young girl because it made her own daughters appear all the more awful by comparison. She had to scour the dishes, tables, and so on, and to scrub the floors and clean out the bedrooms. The poor girl had to sleep in the dismal attic upon a wretched straw bed, while her sisters lay in fine rooms with inlaid wood floors upon only the comfiest beds and where they had mirrors so large that they might see themselves at their full length. But did she complain? No, she did not. The poor girl took it all in stride, and didn't dare mention her many hardships to her father, who would have scolded her if she had done so, for his wife ruled over him entirely. When she had done her work, and before retiring for a few hours' sleep in the attic, she would go into the chimney corner and sit down among the cinders, and that is how she came to be called Cinder Wench. The younger sister of the two, who was not quite as rude and uncivil as the elder, called her Cinderella. However, Cinderella, in spite of her ragged clothes, was a hundred times more beautiful than her sisters, even though they were always richly dressed and in the very latest fashions. When spring arrived, it happened that the king's son gave a ball and invited to it all of the people of the upper class. Our young misses were also invited, for they cut a very grand figure among the people of the countryside. Oh, and weren't they just thrilled with the invitation and got themselves busy in choosing the gowns, petticoats, and of course feathered headdresses, which might elevate their beauty, such as it was. This meant even more work for Cinderella, for it was she who ironed her sister's linens and pleated their ruffles. They talked all day long of nothing except how they should be dressed. For my part, said the elder, I will wear my red velvet suit with French trimmings. And I, said the younger, shall wear my usual skirt, but then, to make amends for that, I will put on my gold-flowered jacket and my diamond belt which is far from being the most ordinary one in the world. They sent for the best hairdressers they could get to do up their hair in fashionable style and bought makeup for their cheeks. 
Cinderella was consulted in all these matters. For as much as they dismissed her, they did recognize that she had good taste. She advised them always for the best, and even offered her services to dress their hair, which they were very willing that she should do. As she was doing this, they said to her, Cinderella, would you not be glad to go to the ball? You're only teasing, for I know as well as you do that this ball is certainly not the place for me. You're right, they replied. People would laugh to see a cinder wench at a ball. Now anyone but Cinderella would have teased their hair into a nest of lopsided tangles, but she was good-natured and arranged it perfectly well. They were so caught up in the excitement of the impending ball that they almost went two days without eating. They broke more than a dozen laces in trying to pull themselves tight so that they might have a fine, slender shape, and they were continually at their mirror. Well, at last the happy day came. They went to court, and Cinderella watched them leave for as long as she could. But once they had disappeared from view, she began to cry. Her godmother, who saw her all in tears, asked what was the matter. I wish I could. I wish I could. But she could not finish her sobbing. Her godmother, who was a fairy, I must not leave out that little detail, said to her, You wish you could go to the ball. Is that it? <sighs> yes, said Cinderella. Well, said her godmother, be but a good girl, and I will see that you will go. Then she took her into her little fairy room and said to her, Run into the garden and bring me a pumpkin. Cinderella went at once to gather the finest she could get and brought it to her godmother not being able to imagine how this pumpkin could help her go to the ball. Her godmother scooped out all of the inside of it, leaving nothing but the rind. Then she carried it out in front of the house and placed it in the drive, tapped it with her wand, and the pumpkin was instantly turned into a fine gilded coach. She then went to look into the mouse trap, where she found six mice all alive, in a little box. She ordered Cinderella to lift the trap door, and as each mouse came out, with a tiny tap of her wand, the fairy godmother turned each rodent into a fine horse. And so, the six mice made a wonderful set of horses of a beautiful mouse-colored dapple gray. Being at a loss not only for words but also a driver for her coach. Cinderella said, I will go and see if there is anything in the rat trap. We may make a coachman of him. You're right, replied her godmother. Go and look. Cinderella brought back three furry, large rodents. The fairy chose the one which had the thickest coat, and having touched him with her wand, he was turned into a fat coachman with the finest mustache and whiskers ever seen. After that, she said, Now, my dear, go into the garden, and you will find six lizards 
hiding in the evening behind the watering pot. Do bring them to me. She had no sooner done so than her godmother turned them into six footmen, who skipped up immediately behind the coach, their uniforms all trimmed with gold and silver, and they held on as if they had done nothing else their whole lives. Imagine that. The fairy then said to Cinderella, Well, you see here a carriage fit to go to the ball in. Are you not pleased with it? Oh, yes, she cried. But must I go as I am in these rags? Her godmother nodded, simply touched her with her wand, and at that same moment her clothes were turned into shimmering cloth of gold and silver, all decked with jewels. This done, she gave her a pair of the prettiest glass slippers in the whole world. Cinderella was at a loss for words. Her hair was transformed into a beautiful updo, and her face bore not a trace of the ashes and grime of a hard day's work. Dressed as a princess from head to shiny foot, she got into the carriage, and as she prepared to wave her godmother goodbye, the kindly woman had uncharacteristically stern words. Tonight you shall live out your dream, my dear girl, but listen to me carefully. Whatever you do, you are not to stay at the ball past midnight, for if you do, even one minute after twelve o'clock, that lovely coach will turn back into a pumpkin, your horses will once again be mice, and on she went, warning her that all of her magic spells had a most definite expiry. All of that would wear off at midnight. Cinderella promised her godmother she would not fail to leave the ball before the clock struck twelve, and with that she drove away, scarcely able to contain herself for joy. At the palace, the king's son who was told that a great princess, whom nobody knew, had pulled up, ran out to receive her. He gave her his hand as she ever so gracefully stepped down from the coach, and he led her into the hall where everyone was assembled. All at once there was a profound silence. Everyone stopped dancing. The violin players stilled their bows. So enthralled was everyone by the singular beauties of the unknown newcomer. Nothing was heard but a confused sound of voices saying, Ha! Ah, how beautiful she is! How beautiful she is! The king himself, old as he was, could not keep his eyes off her, and he told the queen under his breath that it was a long time since he had seen so beautiful and lovely a creature. All the ladies were busy studying her clothes and headdress, so that they might have theirs made next day with the same pattern, provided they could meet with such fine materials and able hands to make them. The king's son conducted her to the seat of honor and afterwards took her out to dance with him. She danced so very gracefully, floating like a feather in the breeze. They all admired her more and more. After that, 
A fine dinner was laid out, but the young prince couldn't eat a bite. So intently was he focused upon her. Eventually, she went and sat down beside her sisters, being her kind and gentle self, and giving them, among other things, part of the oranges and the sweets with which the prince had regaled her. Well, the usually nasty duo was very much surprised, as they had not been introduced to her and had no idea who this beautiful, envy-inspiring woman was. Like a dream, the evening floated by, but piercing the reverie like a rooster crowing at dawn, Cinderella heard the clock strike a quarter to twelve. Right away, she made her adieus to the company and hastened away as fast as she could. As soon as she got home, she ran to find her godmother, and after having thanked her, she said she wished very much that she might go to the ball the next evening, too, for the king's son had invited her to do so. But just as she was eagerly telling her godmother everything that had happened at the ball, her two sisters burst through the door. Cinderella said sleepily, Oh, goodness, you stayed out so late. And she yawned, rubbed her eyes, and stretched herself as if she had just been awakened. Oh, if you had been at the ball, said one of the sisters, you would not have been tired with it. In walks the finest princess, the most beautiful creature ever seen with mortal eyes. She showed us a thousand civilities and gave us oranges and bonbons. Cinderella didn't show her pleasure at what they were telling her. Instead, she asked them the name of the princess, but they told her they didn't know it, and that the king's son was very much concerned, and would give all the world to know who she was. At this, Cinderella, smiling, replied, Was she then so very beautiful? How fortunate you have been! Could I not see her? Ah, dear Miss Charlotte, do lend me your yellow suit of clothes, which you wear every day. <laughs> to be sure, cried Miss Charlotte, lend my clothes to such a dirty cinder wench as you. I would have to be out of my mind. Cinderella did expect such an answer, and was actually very glad of the refusal, for she would have been sadly troubled if her sister had lent her what she had half-jokingly asked for. The next day, the two sisters went to the ball. And yes, so did Cinderella, but dressed even more magnificently than before. The king's son never left her side, and his pretty speeches to her never ended. But did Cinderella find them tiring? Oh, dear, no. In fact, she got so caught up in the spell he wove with words that she quite forgot her godmother's orders to her, so that she heard the clock begin to strike twelve, when she thought it couldn't be later than eleven. With a gasp, she then rose up and fled, as nimble as a deer. The prince followed, but couldn't catch up to her. In her urgency to return to her coach, Cinderella left behind one of her glass slippers. The guards at the palace gate were asked if anyone had seen a prince go out. 
and they replied they had seen nobody leave but a young girl, very poorly dressed, and had more the air of a humble country girl than of a young lady. Once he was quite sure she'd gotten away without saying goodbye, the prince took up that fragile shoe most carefully. Back at home, the young woman arrived quite out of breath, without her carriage and in her old clothes, having nothing left of all of her finery but just one of the little slippers, the mate to the one she had dropped. When the two sisters returned from the ball, Cinderella asked them if they had had a pleasant time and if the fine lady had been there. They told her yes, but that she hurried away the moment the clock struck twelve, and with so much haste that she dropped one of her little glass slippers, the prettiest in the world, which the king's son had picked up. Then they went on to say, that he had done nothing but look at her all the time, and that most certainly he was very much in love with the beautiful owner of that glass slipper. What they said was true, for a few days after, the king's son made a proclamation, by sound of the trumpet, that he would marry the woman whose foot this slipper would fit exactly. All through the kingdom, the prince's men, on his strict orders, carried gingerly that precious piece of footwear to find the person for whom it was made. They began to try it on the princesses, then on the duchesses, and then on all the ladies of the court, but in vain. Eventually it was brought to the two sisters, who did all they possibly could to thrust a foot into the slipper but they could not succeed. They twisted. They writhed. They used butter and even said a prayer. But no, the glass slipper no more fit them than would a horseshoe. Cinderella, who watched from her spot near the hearth, and knew, of course, that that was her slipper, said to them, laughing, Why not see if it will fit me? Well, the sisters burst out laughing and began to tease her. But the gentleman who was sent to try the slipper looked very seriously and carefully at Cinderella, and finding her quite beautiful, said it was only right that she should try, upon his master the prince's orders. So he gestured for Cinderella to sit down, and, putting the slipper to her little foot, he found it went on quite easily and fit her as if it had been made of wax. The two sisters' jaws dropped nearly to the floor, but their astonishment was even greater when Cinderella pulled out of her apron the other slipper. She placed it upon her foot, and as she did so, in came her godmother, who touched Cinderella's clothes with her wand and made them more magnificent than those she had ever worn before. And now her two sisters found her to be that beautiful lady they had seen at the ball. They threw themselves at her feet to beg for mercy and pardon for all their ill treatment of her. Cinderella put her arms around their shoulders and pulled them up, and, 
as she embraced them, said that she forgave them with all her heart, and that she hoped they would love her always. She waved goodbye to her sisters and her fairy godmother, and was brought by the amazed soldier to the young prince. Well, he thought her more charming than ever, and a few days after, with her happy consent, they were married. Cinderella, who was as good as she was beautiful, gave her two sisters a home in the palace, and that very same day that she was wed, they were married to two great lords of the court. Is this the ending you expected? Should her sisters have been treated with such kindness and mercy? Well, in this telling, they are, for isn't that how we would all hope to be? And with that, a happily ever after ending, if ever there was one, I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams.